0: Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here and a privilege as well to bring God's Word. And I'm talking today about a subject that affects, I guess, many of us, maybe even all of us at one time or another, when we have to make some kind of a change in our life. And I've entitled this message, Radical Change, A Time to Shake Off the Dust. And it seems like every time we think things are going along just fine and no problems and everything is great something comes up where there needs to be a change of some kind, a pretty drastic change from what we're doing or experiencing. Now there are lots of kinds of changes, some are fairly simple straightforward, some are a little more complicated and then you get to a situation where sometimes there's a, a really drastic radical change you have to make where there's a comfortable situation you've been in and you're very content to stay there and keep it going, but then something happens where you have to change. And there was a good example of that in our area several years ago when a little before 2007, the GM powertrain plant in Messina, the authorities, the heads of that company of GM made the announcement that that plant was going to be closing in 2007. Well, there were 500 people who were working at the plant at that time, and some were very, quite a few of them were very highly paid. I remember reading an anecdote, I didn't know this person, but there was one of the gentlemen who was working on the line in that plant, and now remember this was 2007, with some overtime, his typical yearly pay was about $157,000. Now there were folks who were paid in that range, some less, but they had to make some change. Well, some folks were old enough to retire. Some were offered a change, a transfer. The GM had a similar plant in Lordstown, Ohio. Many, many of them opted to go there. But there were some people who were left out in the cold, and they had to take some kind of work, anything they could find, uh, to keep things going. That was quite quite a drastic change. Lifestyle became very different. Well, we find in the Word that the Apostle Paul came to a point in his life, and it's described in a passage in chapter 18 of Acts, the first 11 verses, where he had to make a radical change and I'd like to read that passage and see how the situation developed beginning at the first verse of chapter 18 of Acts after this Paul left Athens and went to Corinth there he met a Jew named Aquila a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, uh, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he remained in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ— But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own hands. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, "Do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you and no one is going is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in the city." So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God so there are times when radical change has to happen it's not an option well it says in the word Paul was teaching in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks now it's kind of interesting I checked in the another version in the New King James version and it said he persuaded Jews and Greeks so it looks like there's a strong possibility that at least some of these people were persuaded that Jesus was the Christ. Well, things seemed to be going along pretty well for a while, but uh how long did he teach before things came to a head? We don't have a definite timetable. We do know that after things took a certain direction, he did stay in Corinth for a year and a half, and we certainly gather from the passages that that many people came to the Lord. But things got pretty violent for a while. And uh, at the point that uh, Timothy and Silas joined him and took on some of responsibilities, uh, Paul—it looks like Paul might have become a, a little more bold in preaching that Jesus was the Christ. And at this point, this was more than many of the Jews could handle, and they got very violent. And it said in one of the translations that not only was, was there violence and opposition, but. Uh, but they became abusive. So this was a a very strong event. At that point, Paul shook out his clothes and in verse 6 says, your blood is on your own hands. And I'm reminded of a certain passage in Ezekiel which uh, says the same type of thing, where there's a word of God which comes to Ezekiel and he's talking about an event which will happen where the sword will come into the city and the people have appointed a watchman who will warn the people when this is about to happen. And what happens is, uh, in the word it says, if you hear that word, if somebody hears the word, if they listen to the watchman, they don't pay any attention to him, they just go along as usual, the blood is on your own hands. So if you don't take that advice... You don't take the warning, you take the consequences. Well, Paul, Paul saw the signs. He read all the signs. He was very perceptive. He knew what was about to happen. And he saw the imminent danger, left the synagogue. Uh, one of the things that I found kind of interesting in this passage is, you know, when we think somebody leaves a situation, you think of radical change. You might think, well, at that point, Paul decided he's going to leave. He's going to get on a ship and go, you know, hundreds or thousands of miles away. And we read in other places in the Word where there were many journeys where Paul did uh, go by ship. In this case, uh, the radical change took him next door, uh, which I found kind of challenging and interesting. Uh, So radical change doesn't always involve a great movement a great distance it's something of the heart and of the mind and and a decision so paul m- moved next door from the synagogue and he took up activity in the house of titius justice which we read about just a moment or two ago <clears throat> so one of the things we find that where paul is convinced by the holy spirit who had closed doors uh, This time, uh, at this point, he had to move uh, someplace farther the next door. And there's another passage which comes up a little earlier in Acts, uh, and this is in chapter 16, and it's beginning in verse 6 where there was another move. Now this was of a little different type, but still drastic, still radical. Beginning in chapter 16 of Acts, verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, you might wonder, as we look at this, why did the Holy Spirit close those doors to the regions of Asia and Asia and Bithynia. The Holy Spirit certainly knew of Paul's zeal. They knew of his commitment. They knew of his work that he had been doing. They knew of people who had come to the Lord through his ministry. And if Paul had decided to follow that original plan and go to those areas, we don't know what might have happened. Would some people have come to Christ? It's... Possible, you might think, that some results would have happened. We don't know. Would there have been apathy? Would there have been a lack of response? Would people have just listened uh, and walked out the door and became unchanged, unmoved by whatever they heard? We don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit knew that if Paul had gone to these areas, he would have faced persecution and maybe uh, his life would have been a danger. So we don't know all of that from reading this passage, but we do know that the Holy Spirit had other plans for him. And so many times, and as I'll get into just a little bit later, when God closes a door, many times he will open another one. And that's something we've seen, something I've seen in my personal life. But returning to the original text in Acts 18, we do know that the danger Paul was in if he had continued. And he must have felt pretty discouraged when all of this happened. He was preaching in the synagogue <coughs> to the Jews and the Greeks, and, and it, it seems like at least for a time before things got violent, he was probably met by a lot of apathy, Uh and people in the synagogue just didn't have any use for things of the Spirit. And there are many people in our society today who don't have any, things, any use for things of the Spirit. I'm reminded of, of an example in my own experience when I was teaching at Crane for many years. There was a colleague of mine, and I was witnessing to him one time, and I had invited him to attend our church. And he told me, he said, Pete, why do I need all this God stuff? He said, I have a good job, I have a boat, I have two cars, I'm making good money, what do I need with all this stuff? Well, it turned out, after a short time, that things pretty much fell apart in his personal life. They separated, he and his wife separated, things went very wrong financially, and uh, he found out after a while that Uh, I I don't have any further developments on that with if he ever came to the Lord or not. He left for another position uh, not too long after that. So there are some people who don't, uh, they just aren't moved by it. Now, one of the things I've seen uh, is that uh, Paul saw a vision of this man and he heard the man say, come and help us. He was from macedonia come and help us we need help well paul was convinced that this was a message that was of god and he followed now god has a lot of ways of answering prayer doesn't he Uh, i'm sure many of us have experienced that like i've had and you know as believers and i found myself guilty of this as well We can work out this great plan. We think that there's a possibility of something happening. And we have in our own mind, gee, now, God, if you would just work this out and follow this plan, you know, I can't see how things couldn't be blessed, how, you know, things would really happen in a wonderful way. And we have that experience that we've seen that sometimes despite that fine direction that we work out for God, he has his own plans. And what will happen, and I've seen this, God will say one of a few things. When we make a request like that, sometimes he'll say no, or sometimes he'll say not now, and sometimes he'll say not here. But the toughest thing is when he says not you. So when God closes the door one time, he'll open another one. Now, when Paul moved next door from the synagogue to the house, it looked like the ministry bore much fruit. And when God spoke to Paul in a vision, assuring him that his people were in the city and no one would attack him, we see God opening a very important door for him, don't we? So God closes one door, he opens another, and when he does that, he will equip us to go through the door. Now we talk about going through the door. I'm always when I think about going through a door, I'm reminded of the passage in Revelation three twenty, where in the NIV the Lord says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and be with and he with me. Now note that we have to open the door. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not going to push the door in. You know, the Holy Spirit is a gentle person, and he will talk to us, and he will move us, but he will not force, I don't see anything in the Word where the Holy Spirit forced his will on somebody. So we have to open the door. And then we see that uh, radical change involves our own choices and decisions, so we have the free will. We can either open the door or we can just walk away, keep it closed. The decision the decision is ours. Now, what are some of the principles of a radical direction change which might affect us as we bring this down to where we are today? I would be willing to bet that as I look out in the congregation here, there might be more than a few people have some kind of a decision coming up and it could be related to any one of a whole number of things but there's a possible big decision that you are thinking of in your life that you need to make that might require a change we need to make a distinction here when this is a possibility do we shake off the dust and take a positive direction more about that in a few minutes or we just throw in the towel now Paul when these things were happening him to him he had every reason to think that he could throw in the towel and just give the whole thing up rather than change direction but he didn't do that he didn't do that in the opposition when a positive door opened he took it now In our life, when a positive door opens and we feel like we might need to make some kind of a pretty important change, how many of us just keep plodding along in the status quo? I'm a pretty good plotter. Uh, I've I've been very good. I've made an art of plodding along. So this I'm preaching to myself as well as to you. Sometimes plodding along involves a job several days ago i spoke to a friend of mine whose uh, husband has a very high highly paid uh, responsible job in a company and he for some time has shared with his wife he hates his job he just hates to go to work he just keeps plodding along with this and it's reasonable to think with the guy's qualifications he could probably get a very highly paid job that he'd enjoy someplace. I'm very thankful to God that the profession that I had uh, uh, was not only something it, it didn't seem like work. Uh, many t- well, sometimes it did, <laughs> but but but, but it, to play music, to be involved with people who are involved with music, it was just a joy to me, and and I just could not imagine people who would have to go in day after day week after week and just get up and and just grind it out somehow because they couldn't couldn't take it then another thing I've seen where people just sort of keep plodding along when they could and should change directions, I remember when I was in graduate school I uh, went for a few years to finish degrees but then after that I went several summers to summer school and every summer I could plan that when I went into the main hall of the school where there was a lounge, I could see Clarence sitting in one of the chairs, holding off, holding out, and talking to people. And this was a guy who had, he was very intelligent, he was working on a a doctorate degree, and he would take a few courses every year, just enough to keep going and keep his degree active, But he could have gone out years before that and gotten a job, but he just found it easier to keep plugging along and not have to get into the real world of work. And then there's another situation. I can think of a church in a town not far from here, big, big majestic building, which in the early 1900s up until about 1940s, you could see pictures uh, on the wall and plaques that indicated there was an active congregation of about 700 people who regularly attended this church. This is not far away from here. Now, I know somebody who attends that church, and they tell me that if there are, on a given Sunday, if there are a dozen people there, this is a big Sunday. And I also found out this church in a recent year It cost them $8,000 to keep heat on in the building. And they just keep going, just keep going. There is another, uh, an example of that, of a church which is plodding along and which should have closed a long time ago. Now, I'm going to do something today in this sermon I have never done before. I will give warning to all of you who might want to leave, I'm going to sing something. So if anybody wants to leave, I will give them a moment to step out the door. Some of us here are old enough to remember some of the Beatles songs. And one of the ones that made a quite an impression on me was Eleanor Rigby. A few of you might remember this. So here it comes. Father Mackenzie, writing the words of a sermon which no one will hear. No one comes near. Look at him working, darning his socks in the night when there's nobody there. What does he care? All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? All the lonely people. Where do they all belong? Many lonely people. Thank you. Thank you. That's never happened before. It may never happen again. (laughs) Now, as I begin to wrap up here, what are a few directions which might apply to our individual situation, some of which you may be facing right now? When something calls for a big change, here's the possibility, here's what you might do, here's what you're thinking about, but can I really do this? Can I really make the change? There was a book that came out several years ago by uh, a gentleman by the name of Bob Mumford, and he wrote a book uh, which is excellent. It was called Take Another Look at Guidance. And he set forth some principles by which we might be guided when we have to think about a change of direction. Well, i quote a few of them. The first and the primary source we look for, and we should look for, is Scripture. As we study God's Word, it's abundantly clear that we find both specific directions as well as general principles which will speak to us and will guide us in the right direction when we consider change. And then the Holy Spirit. We recall in the Acts passages where the Holy Spirit both closed some doors and opened others for Paul. And I am going to share an experience from my own life when the Holy Spirit moved on me in a very special way and closed the door so firmly that there was no question in my life, that this was the Holy Spirit. I had an experience several years ago of uh, two years where I pastored a small church in Messina, Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. I, before that, for a few months, had gone and helped the pastor, uh, assisted him in some of his work uh, there. Well, suddenly, this gentleman decided to leave and the circumstances under which he left were not entirely pleasant. It was sort of a jarring experience. The people in the church asked if I would stay and if I would take over the ministry, and I said I would. And this went well for a while, but I began to sense for for a time that and learning some of the history of the church, that there were problems that were part of the DNA of that church. In fact, there were people in, the, in Messina who, when I would mention where I was, they said, oh yeah, that's the church on the hill with all the problems. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it, before I became aware of a lot of this, uh, the previous pastor had left. There was a parsonage which was in a nice neighborhood, it was well kept, and the people in the church thought this would just be great if the Popiel family would move to Messina. We'd have a free house, we'd have no rent, we'd have no expenses, no utilities, everything would be covered. And at first glance, this sounded good. And plans were being made for us to move. Well, as time went on, I began to feel uneasy about this. And as more time went on, I felt more and more uneasy about it. So now we're coming up to a few weeks before the moving date, and my wife and I had a serious talk about this, and I shared with her, "I, I have no peace whatsoever about this kind of a move. I just do not feel that we should do this. And I mean, this wasn't a mild feeling. I mean, this was, I had no question... There was no question in my mind that this was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. So I heeded that advice of the Spirit, changed plans, we did not move. And believe me, that was the right decision. Which, long story, which could be gotten into at another time, not here today. <clears throat> it was a good, a good thing that I didn't go. Another principle is wise counsel. Here's a critical place in our life for good advice. Now, there are two places in Proverbs, just two very short verses that I'd share about this. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice, and a wise woman listens to advice too. And in Proverbs 11:14, we read, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Now, there's no question on anybody's part that you can get advice from a lot of people. All of us can get advice. There are lots of folks out there who are ready to, they have the answer. You mentioned, whatever the problem is, there's somebody there who has the answer for you. And uh, we find, as we look in the Word, uh, in the Old Testament, Job had some friends. They had a lot of questionable sympathy and a lot of comfort and uh, wasn't worth much. And if we want to read some other good advice, Psalm 1 has some very solid directions for us about some some people we should avoid. And then, as I come close to a finish here, the last one I'd mention that can guide us is common sense. Sometimes we, as believers, we want to over-spiritualize and over-complicate stuff when a decision is fairly simple, fairly straightforward. It's right in front of our face, but we don't seem to take it. As I ask the worship team at this time to come forward and as I move toward a conclusion, I will share an illustration. There's possibility that you might have heard this before in a different version, but I'll share it with you anyway because I think it is (coughs) instructive. It seems like several years ago there was a family that uh, was from i think they were from new york state they wanted to take a trip through new england and they thought they they were very intrigued by the state of maine and they thought there would be as there are some very good very good things to see in the state of maine and they were driving along one summer day nice nice sunny day nice pleasant day they were driving through some farm country and their intention was to go and spend some time in the city of Portland. Well, they came to an intersection, and within a few hundred feet, there was a highway which went that way, another one which went in another direction. Both of them had signs to Portland, and both of them were just about the same number of miles. I don't know if it was 22 or 23 miles or whatever. So this man, uh, probably like me, who has no sense of direction, thought he'd better get some help. He saw a farmer working in a field, so he pulled off the side of the road and he waved to the farmer and uh, invited him to come over and walk toward him. And so he goes up to the farmer and he said, I'm trying to go, I'd like to get, take my family to Portland, but I, you know, I see this road, I see that road, I'm not exactly sure how to get there. Does it matter which road I take? The farmer takes a draw on his pipe, takes half a minute, and he says, "Not to me, it don't." <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, a simple, a simple problem which made was made comp- complicated. Well, anyway, there are many many ways and seriously which we need to consider when direction change is about to come our way. And as we, all of us, think about changes which are coming up, which could change, which could be happening. Right now there could be people who have this way or that way. They're not sure which way to go. And I'd like to close in prayer as we consider change in our life our gracious heavenly father I thank you for the direction that you have given me in my life more than once or twice where change was necessary I thank you from the depth of my heart that at the right time in your time I took the advice and I made the change and I pray today for those among us who have some things that are seriously coming up where they have to make a decision. I just pray that you will guide them. I pray that you will speak to them. And Lord, when you speak to us, let us hear your voice. Mm-hmm. And that is our prayer for today. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus.